welcome to Being Professional English Podcasts, podcast number 60, bottom line first and emailing. Let's get started, shall we? Welcome, everybody. Today, I'd like to talk to you about two podcasts that I've spoken about in the past. One on the theory of bottom line first and the techniques you can use and the other on emailing. And I'm going to bring these two things together to give you more concrete examples of where this particular type of behavior, bottom line first behavior, can actually be used directly in emailing. This podcast is particularly for those who are using English as their second language. Although even for people who are mother tongue, English speakers, this should be of use. At least I hope it's going to be of use. Okay, so today I have four points. The first one is I'd like to give a quick summary for those of whom uh, have not listened to Bottom Line First, which was podcast number 16, which if you're listening to this on uh, via iTunes you could very easily go onto my website, which is www.beingprofessionalinenglish.com. And from there, you can search for bottom line first. Just It's easier for you to do it. And I'd like to go through a quick summary of what bottom line first means. The second point is I'd like to give another quick summary of the, uh, the infamous sandwich model of emailing, which was one of my first podcasts I ever did, podcast two and three. The third point is I'd like to bring these two things together and explain them. And lastly, I'd like to talk exceptions to the norm. Okay, bottom line first. Bottom line first is really a way of thinking. It's a different type of mindset. It's a way in which you conduct yourself in the professional world. It isn't very related to the your, your private life because in your private life one tends to have to be more um, polite or sociable and one hates being polite and sociable that's English humor ironic humor if you didn't get that it's based on a very simple theory which is communication is what the listener does it's not what the speaker does what that comes from is um, something by the Chinese philosopher Confucius, who said if a tree fell in a forest, with all the crashing and banging that the tree would make as it fell through to the ground, if there was no one there to hear the sound of the crashing, he asked the question, did the tree fall? And of course you don't know, because the communi- the 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 act of falling is only communicated at the point that there's someone there to hear it. So what this basically means for us is that whenever we are communicating with with people in the professional world, you need to take the trouble to think about the other person. You don't need just to worry about what you want to say You need to worry about how to communicate it, how you are going to get your message across to that person. And that depends on the type of person 
that you're talking to. I'm saying talking to, but even when you're writing an email, for instance, or a letter, it's the same thing. Because you could, well, because the world is based upon impressions, which is a lovely thing. Myself and my wife, for instance, could be looking at uh, a painting by uh, Picasso, for instance. I could love it. My wife could hate it. It's the same picture. doesn't change. Because it's communicating different things to us. Because we are different people. So it's very important that when you communicate, and especially if you actually happen to be a manager or a boss, when you're communicating to people, that you do, in a, do it in a way which is reflective of their own characteristics. It's taking trouble about the other person. Where the bottom line first came through was that you start with the conclusion. You don't start with the introduction. Usually when people talk about something, the, they use the way in which their brain is normally organised, which is a timeline. We are very used to thinking about our world, our history, in terms of timeline. You know, I did this, then this happened, and then I did that, and then this happened. So you take it as a, as a consequence. But the problem with that type of discussion is that the listener doesn't know where the hell you're going. He or she doesn't know what is the reason that you are talking about this whole story. When you finally get to the, 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 the last bit where you ask for what you want or what you need or the question, the crux of why you're communicating with the person, the person who's listened has to be active, active enough in the, in the communication to remember everything you said before. Because without a context, without a reason as to why the listener is listening to your story, it's very difficult for them to follow. And this is particularly true, particularly true when you're communicating the second language. I mean, often uh, for me that I'm, uh, as I'm sure most of my listeners know, I mean, I'm running a company in Italy here. We've got nearly 100 people working for me who are all Italian. And, well... 99.9% are Italian. I'm the point one who's not. And you have to, or I have to, sorry, I have to be very careful in how I communicate. And to do that, I just start with what I want or need or, or expect as the beginning. And then I try to, if needed, I try to give the, the, the story behind it. In essence, it's about urgency. I've spoken about urgency a couple of times on previous podcasts. I haven't actually done a podcast series based on urgency and I, I need to do that and I will do it um, soon. But urgency is about fast paced. It's not about um, doing lots of things. It's about doing things which are important for the business in a very effective and efficient manner. It's not trying to do lots of different things very quickly. It's trying to do the things which are important. It's urgency around a certain topic which is important. And this is exactly what bottom line um, guidance is about. 
is you're trying to put that urgency into every part of the communication that happens in the business. So bottom line first is, is very important. It's one of my, um, uh, my favourite podcasts I did. It's actually the second or third most listened to of all the podcasts I've done. So it's obviously something which people also um, understand. They get it. They, they, they get the sense of, of what we're talking about. Emailing. Emailing. Um, you know my, my, my thoughts on emailing. It's going to be uh, supported by this particular podcast. But when I first mentioned pod, um, sorry, mentioned emailing uh, a couple of years ago, when I did podcast two and podcast number three, I gave you the sandwich model, which is to help people who are writing English emails and it's not their first language. It's about 99% of emails that you write have ex- pretty much exactly the same beginning and end. And it's just the thing in the middle that changes depending upon what you are writing for that changes every time you write an email. So in that sense, it's like a sandwich, a panino as we call them here in Italy, where the bread remains the same always, but sometimes you have cheese, sometimes you have meat, sometimes you have you know, toffee, whatever you want, salad, if you happen to be on a diet. Or nice black angus steak if you happen not to be on a diet like me and run a series of restaurants coated in butter as well it's just, anyway we're off we're going off the subject here but anyway the sandwich model is that and it uh helps you to get over the fear of writing an email in english and if you remember what i did what i said the first line that the upper part of the of, of the bread is really Uh, Two choices. You either say, I'm writing to inform you. I'm writing to arrange a meeting with you. I am writing to tell you, or so on and so forth. Or you say, thank you for your email dated if you're applying to an email. So thank you for your email dated the 25th of May. Hmm. Those are just the two lines you need to use. The last line's a bit at the end. So the bottom part of the, the, the panino, the sandwich, again, you have a few choices. It's if you require any further information, please don't hesitate to contact me. Or I look forward to meeting you. I look forward to seeing you. So the beginning and the end are, they rarely, rarely change. If you didn't catch the, the expressions I used, please go back to uh, my website again that I mentioned. Uh, I'm not trying to, to, to pump the website. It's just that on the website I have all of the uh, presentation slides on the blog page. And so you can follow exactly what I'm saying by reading it. And that's what the sandwich model is about. So it's simplifying how we think about emailing. How am I going to bring these two things together? Well, the first thing I'm going to do is I'm going to have a little taste of my uh, Valpolicella Superiore, which is delicious. And let's go on. Okay, how am I going to bring these two things together? I'm going to bring bottom line first and emailing together, and it's based dramatically, dramatically, upon my experience of 
this company that I'm running here in Italy where I'm using a second language. I'm not using English, obviously, I'm using Italian, but it's a second language. And my guidance for emailing using the technique of bottom line first is simply resist the temptation to use email. Stop using email. You heard it correctly. Stop using email. The problem is that when you're dealing in a second language, it's very easy to fall into the trap where you try to get all communication to occur in the written form. Because as we all know, speaking a second language, it's far easy, far easier to uh, read and write than it is to listen and talk. You can think about what has been written. You can think about the uh, significance. You can even look up certain words if you need to. And similarly, as you reply, there's lots of time in your hands. You can't do that uh, in a spoken form of communication. There's just no time. So what happens is that it gets very easy to fall into that trap, fall into the idea that you want to have all communication in the written form. And I've done that myself. I've found myself doing that over the past year, falling into that particular trap um, myself. Now, what happens is that the gains that you get in the clarity, because obviously you've got time to watch and listen, uh, sorry, watch and, uh, and think and read what's written, the gains you make are offset by the dramatically reduced speed that communication takes place in your company or in your group, if you're a manager. And reduced speed is a very, very bad thing, going back to the idea about urgency. So if you're a manager, what also you're doing is that you're, you're giving the impression that you love bureaucracy, that you love red tape, that you want things to slow up. I mean, if there's one complaint that, one of the major complaints, sorry, that people have about their managers is that they take such a long time to get things done. You know, you ever been in a situation, I'm sure you have, where you've asked your manager, your boss, for a certain thing, and it just takes weeks before you get it. Because you have to write an email to this person or that person or that person, it just takes forever. This gives the impression of bureaucracy, it gives the impression of being slow, it is wrong, and it, it slowly uh, and very covertly kills the idea of urgency in your company or in your group where you're working. It reduces urgency, the good and the pure use of urgency. So what we need to do is we need to stop using email. We've got to use the telephone more if we can't physically go to see the person. And if, but of course, if we can physically go to see the person, do that as well. If you use the telephone more, you're going to have personal contact. And we've spoken many times before about how important the relationship you have with people at work is for the effectiveness of what you're trying to achieve. You're going to be quicker, 
you're going to be more effective. And it allows you always to push this idea of urgency. So do not, under any circumstances, allow email to slowly take the place of telephone or spoken communication. Now, I understand there are some, sometimes you think, well, I don't want to disturb the person. I, I, I don't want to uh, call them and they're in a meeting or they are uh, doing something where they can't speak to me or they shouldn't disturb them. Well, that's not your priority because if they are doing something where they should not be disturbed, then their telephone should be off. Simple as that. Also, when you phone someone and you speak to them, you say to them, can I speak to you for a couple of minutes? On, and give the subject. So, can I speak to you for a couple of minutes on Project X? They have every ability to say to you, no, uh, I'm busy right now, let me call you back in half an hour, or let me call you back tomorrow. And by the way, that's fine to say that even to your boss. I mean, if I call someone, I say, look, can I speak to you about Project X? And the person says to me, no, Mark, sorry, I'm really busy doing Project Y. Can I speak to you later on this afternoon about it? What am I going to say as a boss? I'm going to say, no, I'm the boss. You speak to me about what I want to speak about. No, of course not. I let the person get on with Project Y. So using the telephone more or using spoken communication if you can physically see the person is very, very important. And what happens if, and the, 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 the thing that I've seen that's really made me or pushed me to make this um, podcast is that I have found that my emails are drifting into sort of SMS or text speak. I'm starting not to have, you know, dear John, I'm writing to you about the Project X. Could we finalise the details within the next week? Looking forward to your reply, Mark, for instance. What I'm starting to do is, I'm not even writing, I'm writing John, and I'm saying, John, let's talk about Project X next week. That's it. So I'm slowly falling into writing SMS or text speak. Now, at that very point that I find myself doing that, and if you're doing that, you need to realize it, you're using email too much. You're beginning to, just like me, you're beginning to wanting the gain in clarity that having an email and being able to read it in a relaxed manner gives you against the offset by reduced speed. And I know it's difficult. It's difficult for me. I talk to some people on the telephone. I'm talking and they're talking in Italian and often and often they have a very thick accent. And it's very difficult for me to understand. And I have to be very attentive. But that's not a bad thing, right? It's not a bad thing to be attentive when you're speaking to people in business or in life in general. There are going to be some exceptions to this, though, because what I'm saying to you is stop using email, right? There are going to be some exceptions to this. The except, the, 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 well, a few exceptions is that your, your, your 
taking a telephone call while you're on the move, while you're driving. You know, while you're driving, you shouldn't be taking a telephone call, but we all of, a lot of us have these Bluetooth or these, um, what do they call them, the earpiece, and you start speaking to someone. And, you know, you can have a conversation, but your your complete attention is not there. So at that point, I would not try to uh, take the conversation towards dates or times or action points or so and so forth because it's very difficult that when you're when you're driving you can't write them down i mean you can't i mean you can't drive be on a telephone call and write down certain dates this is a technology technology is failing us in this sense and i'm sure that within a few years that we will have something that will allow us to take verbal notes while we are on the telephone as well you know, some sort of, uh, what, what, what does um, Apple have, the Siri thing, which listens in on your conversations and can actually transcribe them for you. Uh, that would be very, very useful. When you're on the telephone, when you speak to someone and they start talking to you about dates and you're driving, you're, you're, you're traveling, as it were, you can ask them to send you an email. In that case, you can. But when you do... Please explain why you're asking them to send you an email. Because otherwise you're just giving the impression of being slow, more bureaucracy, no urgency, and everything we've spoken about before. If you say, listen, John, those dates seem fine to me, but could I ask you to send an email to confirm because I'm driving at the moment and I don't have the chance to write them down? Okay. Or, of course, if you happen to be up late at night and... um, you know, before you go to bed, after you spent time with your family, you want to just quickly look at your emails. Uh, I understand that. A lot of people do them. That. I wouldn't recommend it because sometimes you'll see an email and it'll be playing on your mind all night long and you won't get a decent night's sleep. But if some people do that, a lot of people do actually, and that's fine. And obviously at that, if you're doing it late at night, you can't call someone up and talk to them because it's not convenient. I mean, it's not, they're not at work themselves. In that case, you send an email. One of the places where you never, ever write an email is when you're trying to cover your ass. A lot of people talk to me about that they love using email um, because it gives them some sort of written proof of what they're doing. Now, that's really sad. If you think that you need to do that, or if you're a manager or a boss and the people who work for you think they need to do that, you need to change something because you're creating a feeling in the company where they they feel they need to have that proof. Now, again, I understand if you're doing this in a second language and you're writing, in my case, for instance, I'm writing and sending emails in, in uh, or communicating, sorry, in Italian, a second language. There are some things I tell people, and I, you know, it's important that they follow them. And there's been occasions in the past where people have said, well, you know, you never told me that. And I I specifically remember having done that. It would have been nice to have an email to prove it. But, you know, that's it's not it's just not very conducive to a positive working environment where there are no people pointing fingers about, oh, you did this, you didn't do that, you did this, you didn't do that. That's not accountability. 
as I know it. That's a company full of fear, where everyone is looking inside the company for their adversary instead of looking outside of the company. You know, this famous um, circle of security. And so never, never get into the habit of writing emails just to cover your ass. Okay, well, I hope you've enjoyed this podcast today. We've gone through a quick summary of Bottom Line First again, which was podcast number 16. We went through a very quick summary of the sandwich model of emailing, podcast two and three. I brought the two of them together um, in, uh, in a way which says you don't use email or you resist the temptation. And I hope some of the stories I gave you during that, really, you can see yourself in them as well. Um, particularly if your email starts to become to look like text speak. Oh, while I'm on the point of that, don't start using Facebook or WhatsApp or these type of, um, S- not SMS, uh, what are they called? Instant messaging services. Those are very bad, okay? Use the telephone. You're going to get much more personal contact with the telephone. And then I want to talk about the exceptions to the rule. Thanks for listening. I hope you've enjoyed it. Even more so, I hope you found it useful. Talk to you again very soon. Bye-bye.